0: Um, So we're in week three of uh, this series that we're entitled Strong. In the last three weeks, we've looked at this idea of what does it mean to be strong? Because I believe that our idea as Americans of what is strong and when I am strong is completely opposite from what the Bible tells us. And so the last 2 weeks if you weren't here the first week really there cannot be any strength without surrender. There there is no life in Christ, there is no relationship with Jesus without surrendering to him. And that's where our strength comes from. We saw that witnessed that specifically with Jesus as he submitted himself, surrendered himself to the Father. He literally said, "I only do what I see the Father telling me to do and I only say what the Father is telling me to say." He was surrendered to the father and he showed us and told us that if you're going to be my disciple, you have to pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. And then last week we looked at this idea that sometimes in our culture, strength is independence, that if I'm independent, if I'm if I'm doing this all by myself, that, you know, I'm strong. And the reality is, as we look through the gospel, that we are strong together And we draw our strength from community as we live in a gospel-centered community. And that's the beauty of what's going to happen next week and the weekend after that when you're signing up for a community group. It is not just something that churches do. It's just not something that, like if you're going to have a church, you've know, got to have something for the kids, you've got to have a Sunday morning service, and you've got to have these groups, either Sunday school or something that meets outside of that. Uh in our life here at Reach Community Church, Community groups are the lifeblood. It's where you'll be known. It's where you will discover life with other people. I have learned from my own personal life that I need others around me that know me. We looked at that last week as um, we looked at that idea that without having, we, we would let the deceitfulness of sin harden our hearts. But if we have our brothers and sisters around us that can strengthen us and speak that into our lives, Our lives are stronger. And this week, I want to talk about this idea. And here's my one thing that I want you to walk away with. Weak is not the opposite of strong. It is the source of it, which is contrary. I know you're like, well, I'm kind of strong. I mean, did you see me pick up that speaker? I thought about bringing in this. We have some little weights at our house, you know. thought about bringing them in, but I forgot until this morning. Um, You know, because that's the illusion. We want people to think we're strong. So what we do, which is opposite of what we're going to talk about today, is we hide every one of our weaknesses to appear strong. We we hide every one of our flaws. You could be sitting here with your arm around your spouse. And if I made eye contact with you, it was not in purpose, but you could be sitting here with your arm around your spouse, you know, smiling, you know, shoulders touching each other. But haven't talked to each other in three or four days. But here at church, we're going to give the appearance of strength because we want everybody to think that we're not weak in any area. And we'll, you know, tolerate our children during service. Yes, dear, they just talk back. You know, spoke disrespectfully in front of other people. Like, and inside you're screaming. And <laughs> but you know, to other other parents, are like, man, they're so patient with their children. The facade it's a it's a it's a sham and, and I really want to as we look through and this is probably uh, over the last 20 some years that I've been in this journey with Jesus it's probably one of the small group of scriptures that's really I've drawn strength from because to be completely honest if I can be transparent in front of you I usually feel more weak than I do strong as it comes to my role here Uh, As a pastor, as it comes to my role as a husband and father, I more so feel weak, which is, once we get through this text, you'll be like, the more we can embrace that, the stronger we get. But the problem with us is we don't want to acknowledge, we don't want anybody to see it. But as long as we ignore our weakness, we'll live and allow that weakness to have power. Instead of tapping into the real power. So let's pray before we get into the word. Father, I need your strength. I need your words, Lord, as we look through your scripture. That was God breathed into your men and recorded for us in this book Lord, I pray we look at this not as good teaching, not as lifestyle choices, but we would literally look at the Word of God as the Word of God. And so as we look at it, Lord, I pray that you would flip our American uh, hide weakness, appear strong mentality, and that you would allow us to walk in humility and independence or dependence on you. we ask for your grace and your mercy as we open your word today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be looking at the second letter of Corinthians. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 7 through 10. But let me build this up for you a little bit. So, Corinthians, uh, Corinth was a place that Paul went to and started a church. So in first Corinthians, the the book there, it was kind of the birth of this church. And he went in, he was an apostle and he started this church and, and, and got it going. And then he went to other places and he would send them letters. And first Corinthians one was one of those letters there's actually alluded to. In, in what we call second Corinthians was probably the third or fourth letter that was sent to this church. But this church was going through some issues. Like most churches, I don't know if you've been in churches long enough to realize that there is no perfect church, because there is no perfect people. Let that settle down for just a second. So if you're new here, don't look around and go, man, they got it all together. They don't. I know most of them. (laughs) But it's okay. It's okay. And so Second Corinthians is a letter that Paul is sending to. The church that he gave birth to, it'd be like me if if I would have started reach and and, and turned it over to, you know, gospel um, driven people to lead. And and I left to do other things and I'm I'm hearing stories and I'm hearing rumors about things that are going horrible things that are going on inside the church. And he's writing these letters to say, hey, guys, we've got to get this in order. And there was even these super apostles that came in, he literally calls them that afterwards, that had better credentials than he did, were more wealthy than he did, and, or he was, and there was an issue with them. And so they were literally telling Paul, the guy who started their church, could you send us a letter of recommendation? Like we, could you send us something like to validate who you are? He started the church, could you imagine the church going, like a reference, he started the church, and they're asking for him to be a letter, or send a letter of reference, and he's like, "You are my letter. You are proof of what or who I am." And so, leading up to this place, there's this there's this beginning of chapter twelve, and he doesn't describe it. We don't we don't know what it looks like, but Paul had this great vision. This it was too great to even describe and, and, and you know, called up into heaven potentially. I mean, he saw things and heard things that were so great that he could not share them with other people. And he was a little concerned because of that, of of being prideful. Yeah, You ever have something like amazing? Like if you're that person that has a healing gift and someone gets healed, I mean, it's very easy to be like, yeah, mm-hmm, I did that. I mean, it's very, when God does something big in your life, it's so easy for you to take credit for that. It's so easy for you to kind of like be puffed up and prideful on that. And so what happens is he has this thing that he's seen and experienced that has literally transformed the way he thinks. And it is so big that he gets a thorn in his flesh. That's what we're going to talk about. And... And let me just tell you, if you don't know much about Paul, Paul is probably the smartest guy that wrote anything other than Jesus, which he didn't really write. They recorded what he said. But, like, as far as, in, I mean, this guy was smart, he had all the credentials. And Paul himself was a part of healing. Lots of people. There was even one, I think one, his shadow healed someone. One, they had someone take, took a handkerchief or a, a cloth from him and laid it on somebody and they healed. Like he had a, the power to heal through Christ. And so we pick this up in verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12. And this is what happens. His so... To keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. Talking about the vision. Talking about what he has experienced. A thorn was given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from being conceited. Like who wants one of those? Like... Is there a list out in the, you know, foyer like, I'd like a thorn in my flesh, please. Somebody give me that. Like, some scriptures you're like, I'm taking that home, I'm keeping that promise. You're like, I don't want, Lord don't, don't send the messenger of Satan to harass me. Now, there's lots of theories. We, we don't know what this is. Um, for the most part, people believe it's some type of physical ailment that he had. Some people think it was his eyesight because um, the letter, he said, i pinned penned these words in such large letters that his eyesight, and for someone who spent the majority of his time in prison, writing letters to his beloved churches that he started, like not being able to see was a big deal. But what it was doesn't matter. And see, what's coming next is he begins to ask, God to take it away. Paul implored God to take the thorn away, but God refused him. Instead, he promised to give Paul the grace to bear it. Another thing that not many people want to sign up for. They want it to be gone. They want that ailment to be gone. And and, and Christ is going to give him grace instead of removing it. So in verse eight, it says three times he pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Three times. Let me let me just tell you. The greatest place to go when something's going on in your life is God. Like Paul went to the source, like this thing was happening to him, and he went to his loving father and three times, not once, not twice, but three times. And I don't think it's like he's in a room going, Father, take this from me. Father, take this from me. Father, take you know, I think it's over a period of time he is you know, probably fasting and praying, he is going, God, I want this to be taken from me. See, when there's something in our life that is out of control, God is the place to go. And here's another thing that I want you to pick up from this story, because what doesn't happen here in just a second, just because there's no healing doesn't mean that God isn't working. Sometimes we totally discount the move of God because What we want doesn't happen in our life because that cancer doesn't go away, because that thing doesn't get fixed. And let me just tell you from this text and not just this text, there's lots of texts in the Bible that talk about this reality that just because something doesn't go away doesn't mean God isn't working. In verse nine, it says, but he said to me and he's having this conversation with God, my grace Is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect. In weakness. And let me just tell you this morning. Whatever is going on in your life. The voice of the loving father. Is saying to you. My grace. Is sufficient. My grace is enough. And Paul after. His response isn't pouting, isn't like, well, why aren't you taking mine away when you've taken other people's away? His immediate response is, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. See that? See, the problem with most of our life, the, the most dangerous thing that we can wrestle with is pride and depend, independence. That we can be prideful, that we can do this, and we can be independent of the work and power of God. And what He's trying to move us to, where He's trying to get us to, is humility and dependence. Like our real, true power always will come from those two things. God will do everything in His power to remove pride and independence. Weakness provides an opportunity for God to show His power. In verse 10 it says, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let me just tell you what he's not talking about here and what he's saying. Don't boast in like he's not saying boast in that sin that you hang around. He's not saying, you know, boast all the more in my weakness, like boast all the more in in my over drinking, boast all the more in my getting angry at people. He's not saying take that one thing that God is trying to soften and repair and change in you and boast in it. So this isn't, you know, the grace of God saying, you know, keep doing whatever you're doing. And as long as you're going, whoa, like there's power in acknowledging it. Now, there's power in repenting from those. But it's this, this weakness, something happened in Paul that he could not fix nor remedy. And a lot of it was this. Look at the list that he given here. Then I'm content my weakness insults like he's content he's can he's content with the power of God when the, when people that he loved poured out his life to are then insulting him saying he's not as good as this super apostle he's content in the hardship in the persecution and the calamities the things that he couldn't control because the power that we get from God is always going to be that place where we've got nothing else. Usually when God has his, his greatest opportunity to do miraculous things in us is when we are at the end of our rope and saying, we cannot do anymore. Like, I, I can't stay in this place anymore. And he's saying that we can change that by focusing on the reality that when we are weak, then God is strong. And so my question for you guys this morning, as you're sitting here, is, where are you weak? Like, where, is, where are things not going the way that you want? Where in your life is it... Does it feel like things are just crushing in? Because the beauty is the the more that we trust on our power, the weaker we become. But the, the greater we acknowledge, like, Lord, I just cannot do this without you. Let me just tell you, I cannot be the father and husband that I am called to be outside of the power and grace of God. You cannot be the employee and the neighbor and the family member that God has called you outside of the grace of God. And so the question is, what are you doing with your weakness? What are you doing with that thing that is the thorn in your flesh? Where are you surrendering that weakness? Where are you acknowledging it, wanting God to do something with it? Because honestly, the more that we seek to hide it, the the more we seek to push it away and go, it's you know, it's not that bad. We're, We're doing pretty good. The less God has an opportunity to do things in us that he wants to do. Strength that knows itself to be strength is actually weakness. But weakness that knows itself to be weakness is actually strength, which is what he's talking about here. See, what Don mentioned earlier, the disciples, when they tried to do the work, they usually messed it up a whole lot because they tried in their strength, whether it's Peter pulling out a sword, whether it's, you know, James and John um, getting insulted by a town and saying, should we call down fire and brimstone? Like that—that's when they're trying to be strength. Like, hey, we're gonna. Oh, they're gonna—they're gonna talk about my Jesus, and they didn't even get Jesus fully. But they're like, oh, should should we? Should we? It's like being in your neighborhood, and your neighbor says something, you're like, go into your pastor. Like, should I pray for a house fire? I mean, because he just insulted you. He said he didn't like my Jesus fish, which you love on the back of my car. And he's got one of those Darwins eating that fish. So, like, should I? Should I? I mean, that that's where the danger is, is we as a church can try to be strong. We can try to be James and John like we just, God you just need to destroy them. Like, go ahead. Like, right down fire. And, and I love that Jesus used those. So you have all these really, really messed up disciples that are trying in their power. And until they're so weak that they're hiding in the upper room with the doors locked, afraid of being imprisoned and afraid of being arrested. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, just wait. Just wait. And I'm going to send the power of God. They were done. Peter walked out of that room completely changed because no more was he trusting in his skill and ability. No more was he trusting in his ability to be strong. He was completely released to be weak so that God can make him strong. We cannot change our community. We cannot change our lives trying to muscle through it the only way that we are going to change, and this goes back to week one, the only way we're going to change our life is surrendering to a loving God that wants to empower us not to be brutish, not to be aggressive. Empower us to be content in the moments of hardships. To be content with that thorn in the flesh so that others can see the power. See, when we allow our weakness to push us towards Jesus and not away from him, when we tap into the source. Second Corinthians 4, this is before this. 2 Corinthians 4, it's going to be on the screen behind you. Talks a little bit more about this idea. In verse 7, it says, But we have this treasure. It's talking about this the grace and mercy. The Holy Spirit inside it. We have this treasure in jars of clay, which was us, is what he's referring to. This thing that can easily be broken. It's not, you know, usually made to last. It says to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not Forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Christ, for Jesus's sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal bodies. the more you try to be powerful. And sometimes that power comes in knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. And sometimes we can use our knowledge to to abuse other people. And I'm not talking about like truth is truth. And in the gospel, we're not discounting that. But sometimes we elevate ourselves instead of really, truly loving other people. So do you find yourself this morning resting in humility? Because the, pro- the problem is and let me, let me just save you a little headache. God will do everything possible to humble you and to bring you to dependence on Him. Over the last six years uh, of planning this church, September will be our six-year anniversary. God has used, by His grace and mercy, this thing to humble me over and over and over again. And here's the beauty. He never tires of teaching you a lesson that you won't learn. Never. It'll never, it's not like, it, like sometimes your, ch- your children think, man, they're going to eventually give up. They're going to eventually, like if I keep, keep saying something, they're, eventually I'm going to wear them down. God is patient. And he, see, here, here's the beauty. If you're his child, he is going to do he has He has your entire life to bring you to that place that he wants you to be. He has your entire life and he will do everything in your power. He did this to Paul. And here's, here's the beauty of Paul. Paul didn't sign up to be an apostle. Paul was on a little... Donkey or horse, I don't remember which one, on his way to persecute Christians. And God knocked him off his horse, blinded him and say, oh, this is my chosen instrument to reach the Gentiles. He didn't sign up for it. He wasn't like he didn't go to the small group list and be like, I'm getting on that one. No. God spoke to him. So this is his chosen instrument that he chose. He picked for this very moment. And in that very moment, he's going to do everything possible to bring Paul to the place that he is the best instrument. Because if not, if he was left without the thorn, the reality is that he would become prideful and independent. And in that pride and independence, he would ruin the church. So God will do everything. And so what I'd like to do as we move into closing this morning and we go into our last song, where is God, where is the flashing sign in your life going? This. Like this is that thing that you need to humble yourself and surrender to God in. Where is that thing? Because if you're not going to be proactive in it, (sighs) God will be proactive for you. God used this messenger of Satan. Like, we think that sometimes, like, I think sometimes we give the devil too much power. The devil, and we saw this in Job, the devil had no authority to do anything to God's chosen people without God's permission. God sent this thorn in his flesh for a purpose. So, what? Instead of Kicking against and getting angry with where you're at and being frustrated at the, at a loving, merciful God for the scenario that you're in. What if this moment you humbled yourself and God, God, I'm content, I will boast all the more in my weakness, this thing that is just overpowering me. I'm going to surrender. And I'm not saying that in that we don't like some of this, honestly, could be sin in your life. Some of these things are choices that you're making that are destroying and eroding the fabric of who you are. And in God's divine mercy, He is now saying, Leave it. I love His mercy of the woman called in adultery, or the woman at the well, or another guy that He healed. He said, Go and sin no more. Like, he wasn't saying, hey, be okay with this lifestyle. He's saying, if you want the best, if you want to be strong, then you have to surrender. So what is that? Where are you not allowing humility to rest on your life? Because most of us in in this room, and I'm telling you, I'm like a dog that, that returns to his vomit at times, which is also scripture, you can find that later. But I know sometimes we look at ourselves going, why are we doing this thing over and over again? Why are we having that same flash of anger? Why are we having the same thing stirring in our heart? What if in the next three minutes during the song, we just literally had an encounter with the living God to say, God, if you don't heal me here, it won't change. God has the capacity to change everything in your life. That's what He does. He makes us a new creation. And if that's not happening, start surrendering to Him. The beauty is, is it may not go away, but look what changed in Paul from praying three times probably over weeks or months that this thing would be removed from him. And the moment God spoke... him and said my grace is sufficient he said okay then i will rest in your strength by embracing this weakness let's pray dearly father i don't know uh, what needs to happen in the lives of every single person sitting in this room but you do Lord, before they woke up, before I woke up this morning, you had a plan for today. You had a plan for your word this morning. And Lord, we ask that you would do in it what I'm incapable of doing. So Lord, if our lives have become hard-hearted because of sin, Lord, I pray that the, the grace and mercy that you pour out would move, to, move us to repentance. Lord, if we've become prideful and independent of you, Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts right now, that you would move us to this place of surrender, move us to a place of embracing our weakness. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room that hasn't surrendered to you, Lord, I pray that that you would settle that today. That you would bring life in that and Lord I just acknowledge all the things that, and so grateful for all the things that you've worked in and out of my life over the last 24 years. Lord, I I want to stay in that place. And Lord, I I pray for your people in this room that we would literally look at this word. that, That the new mantra of our life would be as we face trials and tribulations, as we Face hard life things that your word, my grace is sufficient, would rest on us. I think, I pray that you would allow us to just let that be something that spins over and over again in our soul. So, Lord, I pray during this last song that you would do in us what we cannot do for ourselves. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.